Welcome back to Judging Book Covers Podcast, a bi-weekly book club podcast going through our 2019 book challenge. I still want to say to be read list, even yeah. though I can see the book <laughs> challenge. Uh, my name is Megan, and as always, I am joined by my amazing co-host, Stephanie Cortez. How are you doing? It's been a night. Well, <laughs> just annoying with microphones. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, we were supposed to have a guest, yeah. but due to some mic issues yeah and we're going to dedicate this episode to chris yeah he is here in spirits he's there (laughs) (laughs) he's in another room yeah Um, he did watch the movie with me and then he did read the book so i did see he has a great copy of the book yeah yeah it's pretty good (laughs) uh so for this week we did a book where we watched the movie first and for us, it was The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams, mm-hmm. um, which you had not seen or read the book prior <laughs> right. to this. <laughs> no, I had seen clips of the movie, like maybe once when Chris was watching it. And then this bar that we go to, they will sometimes play like the BBC uh, series on their oh, screens. Yeah. But without sound, because it, it's, it's a restaurant. It's not just a bar. It's a restaurant as well. Um, so without sound and sometimes, like, not even without cap, with no, uh, with, with no captions. So I didn't really know what was going on. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. You don't really, so. even when there's volume, you don't quite know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. But had you, you had seen it, seen the movie before, right? I did. I don't remember when I first saw the movie, but I definitely saw it before I read the book. Um, because I remember, I probably told you this. Um, so this came out our prom weekend, my junior year and all the girls went to, you know, get our hair done, nails done, all that stuff. And my best friend went and saw the movie. We all got out of school early or something for it. And he spent his time going to see the movie because (laughs) boys don't have to, a lot to do to get ready. Right. Um, and I really didn't know anything about it prior to that. So I know I saw the movie first. And I own the movie. Um, I don't actually own the book, surprisingly. I do oh. know. I have an e yeah. now. But, uh, but yeah, I definitely did in reverse of what everybody says you should do. Yeah. So, which you yeah. did this with another book this week, too, I saw. Um, you watched uh, A Simple Favor. Oh, my God. I fucking love that movie Blake Lively has the goddamn best lines I've ever heard yes <laughs> yes it's so good it's so good <laughs> like oh you think I would defend this yeast infection like come on <laughs> like, oh my god Just, you haven't had a good plot in 10 years like now guess now bitch <laughs> it was oh, so good so, good. so fucking good but I remember so you telling good. me about the book and like so spoilers if you haven't read it or seen it I remember you I think it was when you read the book maybe you had posted something about it and I was like yeah I want to know it's fine and you had talked to me a little bit about the um, Anna Kendrick's character basically sleeping with yeah. her half brother yeah and so knowing I knew that, that it's <laughs> and knowing it's him it's not like a mistake yeah. or like a like I didn't know and found out after she totally knew yeah. and also like at least in the movie she says he's the spitting image of what my father looked like oh, yeah. 30 years ago yep <sighs> same thing in the book <laughs> okay great yeah um so I told Chris like I was like I know something but like I didn't know like what happened to like Blake Lively's character that part I couldn't remember if you told me if you did I couldn't remember right um, but as we were getting to a different ending from the book oh, it's shit. a much better ending Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm telling you, the book is not actually worth reading, in my opinion. The movie Um, is fantastic. When that part comes up, and it's uh, Ted from... um, Oh, so the guy who plays her brother is Ted on Schitt's Creek. Oh, okay. So when he popped up, we're like, oh, we know him. And then I was in the back of my head, I was like, ooh... I know what you're about to do. Oh, no. <laughs> and then as it was happening, Chris was kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's happening. <laughs> yeah, that was the start of my accidentally stumbling on a, a lot of books that have like an incest plot line mm-hmm. to the point that I'm just like, I don't know how I feel about this yeah. anymore. And oh. like, 
I wasn't relating it to because you find out that Anna Kendrick's husband and brother died. And I don't know why it just like went over my head. And then it wasn't until later when we get the scene of them at the birthday party and he's asking her if the, if their kid is his. And I was like, oh, that car crash did look like it was on purpose. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Ugh. book, I think, focuses more on this incestual plotline. I think the movie mm-hmm. has just enough about it. Yeah. Like, the, that, it to show that she's enough. got a weird history. but And that that kid is most likely not her dead husband's yeah. kid yeah. <laughs> biologically <laughs> yeah not gonna Ooh. lie probably yeah yeah but definitely one of like my favorite movies of 2018 i'm oh so glad you guys watched so it so good chris just put it on on a whim he was like all right making a decision we're watching this i was like okay because we were like eating or something and we're the worst at deciding on which movie to watch so like it was like this this was a good decision <laughs> What's funny, so I do believe that every time the Jen shows up, it is Blake Lively's husband's Jen. I think it is his brand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think aviation Jen or something. I don't know. The, I've seen the signs a couple times. Um, but Blake Lively also doesn't drink. Mm. So apparently she can make a damn good martini in real life. Oh, but interesting. She doesn't actually drink. Cool. And when they first started marketing it, it was all about Blake Lively and Andrew Kent. Anna Kendrick, obviously. Right. But then Crazy Rich Asians came out, and then everybody's like, oh, this guy's really yeah. hot. And then he yes, started he finally popping up in the advertisements and stuff. I yeah. was like, I see what you did. Okay. <laughs> yeah, good choice. <laughs> Very much so. Uh, so before we get too far into Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you were going to read The Daring Ladies of Lowell. Yes, and I did. It was, it was okay. I gave it a three out of five because it was just like, it was okay. Um, I liked, so Chris is from Lowell and I've been in Lowell, like that's where my in-laws live. So it was kind of, and I know about like the mills and stuff, a little bit about the mill girl. So this was kind of, it was, it's fictional, but she definitely pulled from like, it's historic fiction, you know? Sure. Um, so I like that because I love historic fiction uh, <laughs> and just kind of just, what the mill girls went through, what the health ramifications were of working in such a setting. Um, and from the book blurb, I knew there was some type of love like thing with this guy. And then, but like her best friend dies and I don't know, it was okay. Like it wasn't bad. Yeah. I don't know what I was really looking for or what I would have done to change it without one. I don't know what I would have done to change it, but then two, it would probably be a spoiler if I, figured out what I would have changed. <laughs> right. Um, I guess I feel like a little let down about the murder plot line, which is huge and like looking for the murderer. And I just, I felt like it could have been done better of who the murderer actually was. Oh, I hate when that happens. Yeah. I can't really go into it in case you read it, but yeah, no, talk that's about fair. if you read it. Um, that's fair. Yeah. So I think so that's part of what let me down a little bit. Would you recommend it in the end? I mean, sure. It's like, it was fine, okay. but I wouldn't bump it to the top of my list. If you've got it and it's a rainy day, check it out. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. So how about you? I feel like you were going to read. I read, oh, I uh, it was called Shadow Frost. Yes. Um, so I have a really weird relationship with YA fantasy books and where I think I should like them and I really don't. Okay. Like, it's, <laughs> like I really can't pinpoint to a bunch of, I like YA urban fantasy, which is what I think mm. I've come to the conclusion. But the whole, I just never feel like the world is developed enough and mm it almost always feels like someone from the 21st century dropped into wherever it's supposed to be. Okay. I like urban fantasy more. I think that fits. Um, so it's about this princess who's like a killer, like not a killer, a super great fighter and a demon is attacking her kingdom and she's 
going to go off to fight it with some friends. And the cover's gorgeous. This is also my problem, is that they always have gorgeous covers. <laughs> and I, I happened to read two YA fantasies together. Um, I didn't finish this one. I got about 110 pages in or something, and, it was, and I called it quits. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so the author was apparently 15 when she wrote the first draft. Oh, Jesus. She is 18 or 19 now. Oh, my God. And, like, super impressive. And, like, the concept behind the story, I really, really like. Like, there are some moments of this book I was like, ah, that was brilliant. But it's bogged down with this, like, surface layer of, like, relationships and understanding of people, I guess. It's like, Mm. she has a bad relationship with her mother, but there's nothing to really explain it. And then... um, then it's like 80 something pages of her trying to work on her magic and suddenly there's two new strangers and so like hanging out with the new strangers and then it's like 30 of our guards have died and we don't know why and i'm like wow okay you could have built up to that a little bit right so i think she has great ideas and i think that like after a few books she's gonna be really great to read but this, especially the breaking point for me, especially with YA books, YA fantasy, especially, is when you are fighting something super dangerous and someone's like bleeding on the floor or something like that, or someone's about to die. And there is always a character that's like jealous of the other guy or the other girl in the love triangle. And I'm just like, <sighs> that was the point. I was like, you know what? I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. He was like, you should be saving your girlfriend or whatever. I can't remember what it was. And he's like, my what? And I'm like, no, I'm out. Done. <laughs> I gave it more than my normal fair shot, which yeah. is normally 50 pages. It's like, oh, wow. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other one was Serpent and Dove, which I wanted to like so much. And also, oh, no. you can't. The other problem I have with fantasy is that, like, you cannot rely on lore of that country. Like, this is supposed to be, like, 1500s France. But it's... Mm -hmm. You still gotta give me more than that. Yeah. You can't just expect me to know anything about 1500 France. Also, the way that you're, like, acting and moving around and everything, it's like, it could be 1800s. It could be 1900s, for all I know. So, I just... I'm bummed. I just need to accept that this is not the genre for me. And that's okay. You've given it a fair shake, though. Yeah, I have. And what's funny is that what kind of made me realize this is that I read the entire Mira Grant um, feed, news feed series, which is like the first book is like 20 years after zombies come Hmm. to be. Um, It's about these two reporters on a presidential campaign tour i ate the entire series in like a week and a half it was so fucking good (laughs) and i'm trying to read these and i'm just like i hate it it just oh no so but reading a guide to the galaxy was a great great palate cleanser relief my brain just Mm -hmm. was so happy i've read this book two or three other times and i still laugh yeah. What did you think? And I I loved it. I loved the movie. So obviously watched the movie first. And I found the movie incredibly delightful. I was like, why the fuck have I not watched this movie before? Like <laughs> it was just delightful. <laughs> <laughs> and the same with the book. A lot because I recognize obviously a few lines and stuff that were pulled straight from yep. the first book. Um so I'm spoiler alert, this is what I'll be reading next. That's not for the podcast, is if not the rest of it, at least books two and three. Yep. Um, because I definitely want to see where this goes. Um, I don't. Has Chris read all five? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I've never finished, and there was a couple oh, okay. people I was talking to about it, and they were like, "Yeah, I've never finished it either." <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, there's got to be because they wrote a six book um, after he died. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. So the good thing about this, and and why it was probably really good that we did it. Um, it actually started as a radio show, so it wasn't mm-hmm. even a book first. 
and it always changes the adaptation mm-hmm. like he intentionally changes it every time mm-hmm. which i think is great yeah, so like but... anybody that's like oh it's not like the book it's not supposed to be yeah he wanted the introduction the introduction to our copy is from him because um, ours is the ultimate hitchhiker's guide complete and unabridged <laughs> um and the introduction from douglas adams that is dated let's see so it's dated Los Angeles 1983 and London 1985 1986 um, so it definitely he definitely talks about changing things and where it, con- it contradicts and all that so I was like that's kind of cool yeah it's like the real guide yeah um, he also died young very unfortunate yeah. died in 2001 2000? 2001 yeah. um, and that's when Day started in May, I think it's May 25th, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Uh, and it is to celebrate Douglas Adams. So oh. don't forget your tell. I'll celebrate next year. Because <laughs> now I get it. <laughs> uh, so did you know anything about it going in? I knew that Sam Rockwell was in the movie because Chris loves <laughs> Sam Rockwell. <laughs> and uh-huh. I knew from clips that I saw that, uh, oh dear. What's the guy's name who plays the Hobbit? Arthur? I don't... <laughs> Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman. It wasn't it. <laughs> yeah, I really like the cast. I forgot it's yeah. most deaf that plays yeah. Uh, yeah. Ford Prefect. Yes. And I knew yeah. the answer. I knew the answer was a number. I couldn't remember what number. And I remember... like I, I feel like I'd asked Chris about it. Chris about it. And he said, it's the answer to everything. Life. Universe. And I was like... Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's the point. You're not asking the right question. Yeah. (laughs) So what's even more funny is that even though we're doing a book and a movie, they're making an adaptation of this. What? (laughs) Apparently they're doing another adaptation. Hulu is commissioning it. Oh my God. Everything we do. (laughs) I know. Everything we do. Just everything we touch. Mm-hmm. Turns into a film or a movie or a miniseries. Can't complain because there's not a lot that we read that I don't like. So that's true. <laughs> it's very true. Oh, uh, so the book opens up with talking about how sad Earthlings are because mm-hmm. we're just upset all the time and mean and mean and how much we really love digital watches. Shy yeah. had to laugh. Um. And it leads into the fact that uh, there was a woman who had, like, figured out the perfect way to fix the world right as the world ended. But it's not Mm -hmm. her story. This is the story of Arthur Dent, who woke up to find out that his uh, house was going to be bulldozed. And as a kid, or whenever I read this first time, I loved it. Now I'm just like... They let him get his stuff out first. Like this. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I think where I was like, oh, this movie's going to be good was when the guy in charge of like the bulldozing says, do you know how much damage it would cause to my bulldozer if I let it run you over? And Arthur says, how much? None at all. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> exactly. like, okay, I'm going to like this movie. And that's from like the book. So. Yes. I like that. It just made me laugh again on the train. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They've got a really great, uh, the guy who's running the bulldozer is a descendant of Genghis Khan and occasionally has like flashbacks, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Past memories uh, where he sees buildings burning and just wants to like shoot him with a bunch of arrows, but it's all done in a fun fashion. So yeah, it's like, (laughs) I always forget this book is not as old as I think it is. Because mm-hmm. in my mind, it should be, it, it was written not in the time of Alice in Wonderland, but shortly after, I guess, which makes no sense with the beginning. But the amount of absurdity in it, I also probably think Alice in Wonderland was written much later than it actually was. Because I think it was written in the 1800s, but I always think in the 1950s, mm. which I think is when the movie came out. Mm-hmm. But uh, this book is absurd. Like, mm-hmm. hands down, not a t- 
ton happens uh, yeah. plot wise, but it is very dialogue heavy. Yes. Um, Arthur Dent's friend is named Ford Prefect. <laughs> um, he Which is. I loved. <laughs> Because um, I like that the book goes into, well, not goes into it a little more, but basically says he skimped on his research and thought that cars were the dominant life form on Earth. And I was like, yep. I could see how one would think that because there yep. are so many. <laughs> um, he, he's stuck on Earth for 15 years. And he's supposed to be right, basically doing an updated article on Earth for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And he's an alcoholic. Well, he likes to party. We'll go with that. <laughs> um, and he is from. Okay, so I will. I did it in audiobook this time. Mm-hmm. And I swear it sounds like they said Beetlejuice every time. That's what I thought it was upon reading it. Was Beetlejuice? Okay. So he's from nearby <laughs> Beetlejuice, and he does this wonderful thing where he talks the bulldozer guy into laying down on the ground and yes. taking his turn so that he could borrow Ar- Arthur for a minute to basically tell him that the world is about to end in 12 minutes. Yes. What I liked was that he learned how to do this essentially by playing an old drinking game. It's really just a battle of wills and because I, <laughs> I, I don't know that it came through to me in the movie if that it was like him convincing them to do these things. But definitely in the book was like, you know, there's more time spent on it. So in it's in writing um, about Arthur feeling like, oh, OK, so I guess I need to go with him. And then the guy, <laughs> the bulldozer guy kind of arguing, but then being like, OK, yeah, this is what I need to do. Yeah, he thought he won until he's like, OK, lay down. He's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, so he takes him to the pub. They order six beers. He tells him the world's about to end and. Arthur is like looking around like please don't make a fool out of us yeah um and there's a wonderful moment where the bartender I guess he's just he's taking a fiver from Ford and looking into his eyes and realizes that he's not from around there yes like he can feel the distance telling the truth yeah yeah um so Ford has his towel. He has the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, asks for four bags of peanuts, and is chasing after Arthur, who has realized now that his house is actually going to be bulldozed. While all this is going on, the Vogons are in the air yelling at Earth. Because didn't they know? I, yeah, which is exactly what happened to Arthur because their excuse was um, the plans have been up forever in the local planning office when and Arthur's like, yeah, I didn't know until yesterday when someone came by and then I went to the local planning office and it was down in a basement where there's like no stairs in a folder labeled something else, you know, yep. something ridiculous. And bas- yes. And then the Vog- the Vogons are basically like, um, the plans have been on display in the local planning department in Alpha Centauri or something like that. That's only four fifty Earth years. Like, what have you been doing? And it's only four light years away. That's what it was, four light years away. Yeah. You could have easily gone and looked at it, and there's no excuse. Right. Um, so, Ford and takes Arthur and they hitch a ride on one of the Vogon ships um, but it is against the Vogon regulations and they are quickly discovered um, and tortured and tortured um, this is we also kind of just get an idea of Ford he doesn't understand sarcasm he mm-hmm. doesn't understand why humans feel the need to constantly repeat themselves because um, Arthur keeps being like it's dark it's dark yeah um, he's just eating the peanuts. So they are tortured by Vogon poetry, which is the third worst poetry in the known universe. And then they'll oh, be thrown I in space. Was the worst. <laughs> Ugh. 
I do like the movie that Ford's like grabbing his head and yeah. <laughs> um, and then Arthur basically just stops and's like, I didn't hate it. But right. He, just, like, he tries to talk it up. Yeah. Which he they still get thrown into space. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. So they take a be- deep breath because it's if you take a deep breath, you get about 30 seconds before you're going to die. Yep. It's very improbable that anybody is going to be in the exact space and time that you need at the moment you need them. And that is why the Heart of Gold picks them up. Oh because it is powered by an infinite improbability drive. So when we're watching the movie and Marvin makes his appearance <laughs> yes it's a robot on the heart of gold and i realized he was voiced by the one and only who also i realized was in it from the opening credits I was like oh my god alan rickman i loved it and then yes. as i was reading this i like read every sentence from marvin in alan's voice and that was wonderful <laughs> he's a very depressed robot poor thing he like is a character remember what brand but he is a personality prototype yes and he get when he gets sent to go get arthur and ford and bring them up to like the main floor he complains to them about the doors that were built with gpp technology genuine people personalities and he hates these doors they make like these <laughs> smug sounds when they open and marvin is just <laughs> not here for it <laughs> he hates everything yes Marvin, things are tough for Marvin. He's just not happy. Yes. So you've seen some of the BBC? Yes, but I don't actually remember Marvin. Okay. I literally only remember uh, Zaf- uh, Zafod. Is that how you pronounce the first name? I think so, yeah. Um, yeah. He's a tall, like, skinnier, very 80s looking mm. kind of robot. Okay. Where, you know, you could have built him out of parts. But I do like him in the movie. He's like very sleek yeah like walks he's got feet walks and like green eyes and just always looks sad yeah poor marvin um so this is where we meet zaphod and trillion um zaphod beeblebrox is ford's city cousin and president of the galaxy and oh boy talking about a president in this book and this day and age super fun because the president has no power galaxy (laughs) he exists solely to distract the people so that the real people in power can get stuff done so he's been arrested like four times i think and i don't even remember what else he's done he's just kind of a terrible dude yeah i think one of my favorites though was when trillian is asking him a question and it's described that she in in their relationship she has been learning how to distinguish between him pretending to be stupid just to like catch someone off guard or pretending to be stupid so he doesn't have to think and like do anything pretending to be really stupid to hide the fact that he actually didn't know what was going on or that he was genuinely stupid about whatever (laughs) the thing was like that's a lot to decipher <laughs> this man is a lot of work <laughs> he has a lot of work i also really like the way that they do him in the movie where he's the head rotates rather than yeah. two like actual heads yeah i feel like chris was... told me that was maybe a money thing but i was like mm, i get it it works yeah i think it it works it makes it a little bit i guess I guess less aliens. I don't know. <laughs> um, so we learn that he has stolen the heart of gold. And and sort of trillion from Arthur. Not that a person is property. But I liked right. that whole coincidence. Because yeah. after they get introduced, Arthur's like, yeah, we've met. And Ford's like, where the hell have you possibly met him? And he's described that he was at a party talking to this girl. And when he finally like got her alone from other people to talk to her. This guy, um, Zaphod, comes in, interrupts, and basically says, I'm from outer space. Want to come see my spaceship? Like, real smooth. And steals her away. <laughs> it always works. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I feel like in the movie, 
their potential relationship gets played up more. Mm-hmm. Or, like, the romance, the possibility of romance of anybody yeah. gets played up more. And mm-hmm. I always remember that. So, reading this book, I was like, oh, there's really not yeah. romance. Like, yeah, he talked her up, but he very quickly realized it wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, it's Zoe Deschanel, who I hope one day breaks out of that manic pixie dream girl role. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are searching for the legendary planet of M- M- oh my gosh Magrathia okay Magrathia I couldn't remember I was Magrathia in my head I really was actually sure. that, I, that I don't even know <laughs> it's M-A-G-R-A-T-H-E-A so that's why I, uh, could be either one yeah um, so this planet exists to basically like wealth was kind of something everybody had well everybody important there was that actual distinction and um they spent their money going to this planet to get other planets built and then this planet got all the money or the people on this planet got all the money and stopped building other planets for people yep. because nobody could afford their prices anymore um, so they are the one that discri- that um, built a bunch of the planets that pop up in this book. Mm-hmm. Basically, so they're in space showing, and it's in this like nebula, like the darkest point of space, and it's the only place that it can exist. And this is like supposed to be a fairy tale. Ford is like super shocked, and we kind of realize that. Um, um, Zafford, Zafod, um, is searching for stuff, but also doesn't really know why. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the movie kind of goes more into that. Hmm. Um, or maybe I'm thinking of the other book. Maybe it gets explained a little bit more. Um, I don't remember how much the movie went into it. But basically, like, he's something is blocking his memory or he's wiped his memories or something so that he could steal this ship because it wouldn't have let him otherwise or the scanners that they had they would have picked up on this is what he wanted to do right um so they go to this planet that is supposed to be abandoned but it has lasers or no um rockets (laughs) yep and that um, recording that went off that yes poli- at first politely said basically please leave the planet's closed and then a second slight warning and then the third one was like all right we're sending some missiles after you yep thanks <laughs> and that was the point where um basically everybody's kind of ignoring arthur he's the human he doesn't know much of anything trillian's also a human but like she's been flying in space for a while so of course right. she knows something um, so they're like, we're going to die. We're going to die. And Arthur hits the button and basically causes a bunch of things to turn into plants and a sperm whale to appear in the whale. Yep. <laughs> who had an issue with his, what am I going to call it? I'll call it a stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, poor sperm whale. If he hadn't been like, cr- or turned into that. So high up in the air, it would have been fine. <laughs> but, um, so what goes up must come down. The sperm whale, when it crashes into the ground, it kind of breaks into the underground area where the McGrathians used to live. <laughs> um, so they basically, they land, they go explore, and then Zaphod tells Marvin and Arthur to stay up top for safety. Yeah. Which Arthur was like, wait, my safety or yours? And he was like, exactly. And then he keeps like going on with whatever he's talking about. I also like that he he's like, wow, that was really smart thinking. Great job. And Arthur's like, oh, it was nothing. He's like, okay, well, moving on. He's like, well, wait, right. nope, you said it was nothing. It's moving like, on. No, it was nothing. Let's move on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so and then we'll, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, with Zaphod's brain brains with those two heads uh, being cauterized so like certain areas aren't like the synapses have been cauterized so 
basically and then so he's like yeah whoever did it they put their initials so i would know and it was initial zb so it's like what you did it to yourself yeah yourself it'd be interested to see if that comes up some more throughout the rest of the books yeah um so arthur gets separated um the others are kind of kidnapped and arthur is taken by oh man <laughs> slarty bart fast yep slarty bart fast which i remember reading i think his name started as something else and he wanted it to sound dirty or something or like no. i don't know um so eventually it became that but um so he takes arthur aside and basically is explaining that earth is actually a supercomputer and that was good yeah i liked that whole little history that you get with millions of years ago these super <laughs> intelligent pan-dimensional beings made a supercomputer and deep thought. but the thing is Yes, but the thing is, when they turned it on, Deep Thought said, well, I'm actually the second greatest computer. And also, it'll take seven and a half million years for me to run the program to answer your question, which is they wanted the answer to life, universe, you know, everything. Yes. So after then, they get yeah, seven and a half million years to basically market this, get everybody all pumped and pepped and ready to find out what the answer to everything is, and we get it. And the answer is... 42. 42. And then it's a question of, all right, Deep Thought says that, okay, I will design for you the actual greatest computer that can then give you the question. Yes. That computer will be called Earth, and it will navigate a 10 million year program. <laughs> what I also love is that they're like, Earth? How boring. Right. Um, and, yeah, 10 million years. And... Five minutes before it was done, the Earth blew up. The Vogons came. Yep. And we find out in the movie, it's not discussed in the book, but Zephod signed the thing that that got him destroyed. Um, right. Right, 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 right. Yeah, there's a moment of Trillian being like, you blew up my planet, dude. Because you thought they wanted your autograph. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there's also discussion of how humans are the third most intelligent creatures on the planet. Um, yeah. we learned dolphins are second. Yes. So long. And thanks for all the fish. And the first, first. <laughs> huh? I said, and who is first intelligent? <laughs> the most intelligent mice, which yeah. for the record, mice are actually really intelligent and have I t shown you the grasshopper mouse? I don't think so. Oh my god, it's this mouse that like is immune to like uh, scorpion venom and like can mm. take the venom and use it as like a painkiller and wow. like can attack scorpions and centipedes. It's like a carnivorous kind of mouse. And then also it howls at the moon. And by how it's like a little <laughs> yelp. I mean, it's adorable. Wow. Yep. I will have to find the video of it howling for you. Yes, please. But anybody <laughs> listening, this is like my new favorite creature. I've talked about it like everybody at this point. Um, so, yeah, we find out. Oh, Trillian also has her two mice that she wanted mm -hmm. to take with her from Earth. It's the only thing she brought with her, really. Um, so they end up um, they realize that Arthur is the last generation of non-organic byproduct of the computer and oh my nose sorry I'm trying to see this um, the question has imprinted into his brain and they want to buy his brain off of him and the mice are Shh. oh I didn't write down the names I thought I did oh they are Benji and Frankie. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have Shooty and Bang Bang, and that's not them. Oh, what? <laughs> um, so they want to buy it, and I do love that uh, 
he yells when he sees them. He's like, yes. oh my god, it's mice. And, and then he's everybody's like, oh, like oh, sorry. Yeah. <coughs> um, they're about to cut his head open when the klaxons all over the planets um, created diversion, so they escape. Um, but then the galactic police have arrived. Of course. And the police are wonderful. They're all about, like, we don't want to use violence unless we absolutely have to. But then they start, like, we don't want to shoot you. But then they start shooting. And then the <laughs> conversation like, amongst our people is like, wait, but they said they don't I know. want to. But they just did. <laughs> it was like, we don't want to shoot you. But also, we will blow up the planet if we have to. Yes. <laughs> um, and they're, like, just about to, like, attack in a big fight. When suddenly they, like, everybody, or they all, like, abruptly die. And they're, mm-hmm. like... Does the ship yeah. fall from the sky? I can't. It's no the. So when they die, Ford goes to investigate and sees the life support system computer that's on their backpacks. Like they all exploded. That's just right. Exploded. That's what exploded. Okay. Right. And then there's an empty air cart from Slarty Bartfast. That's with a note saying like this would be the best button to push, and that cart brings them back to their ship. And then the cops ship is right there. And. <laughs> I don't think I realized it the first time I read. I don't know why. I just, when I was putting my notes together and I got back to this part, I was like, oh my God. And started laughing on the train again. Oh, the, (laughs) the, the, so the reason this happened is because Marvin ended up on their ship somehow. And he was explaining his view of the universe to the mothership and it committed suicide. (laughs) Which caused all of their life supports to explode as well. Yep. It said that he got bored and he just plugged in and started talking about his views and it committed suicide. And I like it was. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Oh, it's so good. Um, we didn't talk about the other computer on the ship or the computer, Eddie or Ed or. Oh, my God. Which was also another delightful voice. Yeah. <laughs> the most super thing. And everybody yeah. hates it so much. Yes. And then in the book, they try to change it to more. I guess like motherly, sterner, mm-hmm. and it's like, don't take that tone with me. I'm not going right. to let you off the ship. Yeah, and it's it is the sign of ship or of computers taking over, and yeah, and how we have to live with them. Can't think of the name of the actor who did that voice, but like he's been in a million things, and I love him. He just makes Let's me laugh. See. He's been in like voices on Archer, and I think Bob's Burger. Yeah, Bob's Burgers. And then he was on an episode of Party Down, and he's just, he's great. Let's see, because they definitely have a lot of great voices in the movie. Eddie the Computer is Thomas Lennon. Yes. Oh, so the picture they have of him on IMDb, like the first one, he's got a beard and a mustache. And I was like, I don't know who this guy oh, is. Shit. But it's okay. like looking at every picture of him shaved. Mm-hmm. Totally can tell who he is. Also, looks really damn good with a beard and a mustache. <laughs> what the hell? Good for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Stephen Fry, I think, is the voice of. Um, is he? The guide, right? Yeah, the guide. Yeah. Um, and then Helen Mirren, I believe, is the deep thought voice. Yes. Yeah. And. Um, oh, Bill Bailey is the whale. Um, we didn't really talk about the guide. So the book is like, I'm not even sure. Oh, let me see if I can find the description again. Don't panic. That's the biggest takeaway. <laughs> yes. Don't, don't panic, panic is on the cover. What it says on the cover. Yeah. And it's, it's essentially like a computer within a compartment kind of thing. Um, because if it was an actual book, it would be the size of two very large buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah that's I mean it's a really really quick book yeah and part of me was like should we have done the whole thing but I don't think we could have done the whole thing no and plus if since it was movie I feel like Chris had said that the first book and first movie go pretty yeah well and it definitely did yeah. um, I'm sure there's other stuff that maybe from the next few, like 
was there five books so the next four books that yep. were incorporated into the movie as well but I feel like overall it was this book which was cool yeah what's cool so the movie mentions every title of every book although I think one of them is only in a deleted scene mm. and it also says Belgium several times which at some points oh, I can't remember which book it is they talk about how like that is like the dirtiest word in the entire universe mm. so um Oh, and that was the other thing. So, um, Slardabart Fast is creating a second Earth. Right. We skipped over that one. Yeah. Because yes. um, they were basically trying to create another computer, but then they realized that he's a human, and so he has to have that question imprinted on him. Um, yeah. And then they try to cut out his brain. Yeah. They don't. They don't succeed. Right. <laughs> but I like the discussion of, like, what the hell am I supposed to do with Africa now? And it's like, I don't know, go skiing. You don't ski on glaciers. Yeah. They're a work of art. <laughs> so great. Uh, um, yeah, so it yeah. was a quick read. Uh, they decide at the end that they're hungry and they're going to go to the restaurant at the end of the universe. Yep. Which I've, that's I know I read it, but I yeah. couldn't tell you a damn thing about it. So yeah, that was pretty much like book one. That's yeah, pretty much it. But it was really good. I thought it was very entertaining. Which, because I wasn't sure how much the movie actually changed. Right. So it was kind of nice that some of the lines were pulled straight from there, or that I, you know, had seen it first and I could picture or hear Marvin's voice as he was talking about how depressed he was. Poor thing. <laughs> um, he just needs like a hug. <laughs> he does, but he doesn't want one. No, no, he doesn't. Because, like, he talks about the um, Earth, and he was like, do you have beaches? Yes, we have beaches. Do you have an ocean? Yes, we have ocean. Oh, I hate the ocean. The ocean is the worst. <laughs> sunshine. Oh, sunshine is just horrible. And yes. It is great. I I know that other people have played that voice, but that is the only, only voice I need. Which bums me out if they're going to redo it or make a TV series out of it. I do hope they go past book one. Yeah. Um, I don't know why they never made more than just the first movie. I, I don't know if it just didn't do well or um, or why, but they never made past it. Yeah. Um, oh, and Earth, the entire description of Earth um, in The Hitchhiker's Guide is, oh, what was it? It was like one sentence and it was harmless. It's harmless. And yes. after Ford visits, it gets updated to mostly harmless. <laughs> and Arthur is so offended. <laughs> so offended. But yeah, it's like, that's literally all this says. Yeah. Great. To be fair, Earth is fairly boring, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a great light to read. Mm-hmm. Especially, Which I think we needed. Yep, we definitely needed, um, and we are going to continue that with our next book before we discuss that. Any book drinks? A nice British ale. I don't know any. <sighs> Maybe a pint of something or something super duper strong, like the alien drink that they described. Oh yeah, in the, end of the chapter. So it's like a, a Long Island iced tea, but like to a million. <laughs> Like the percentage of a million. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I don't know. That's the last <laughs> thing you'd like to drink before the world ends. Right. Ooh, or tea, because Arthur was sad that the ship didn't oh, have yes. actual tea. Yes. Always needed a good cup of tea. I actually need to remember to pack tea into my bag tomorrow because it's supposed to go from 90 degrees to 60 degrees. Because yep. climate yep, yep, yep. hates me. So either I will die or I will bring tea. <laughs> Um, I can't remember which order we do this in so before we discuss what we're going to read for the podcast next what are you going to be reading uh, let's see I decided I'm going to do at least books two and three of the guide but there's a really good chance that I will read all of it <laughs> <laughs> if you do let me know how it is because I think I burned I out around three but it may be one yeah. that I need to like space out more yeah it may just have to be books two and three because this is pretty big to put in my backpack to bring to work yeah. i do a lot of my reading on the train 
So it might just be books two and three because it's like an easily do at home. Sure. But we'll see. How about you? Do you know what you're going to be doing next? Uh, that is a good question. I am reading. So I'm going to be reading Ghoster by Jason Arnop. It's like a woman gets asked to move in with her boyfriend. And like the day before he like disappears and all of his possessions are gone and everything except for his mobile phone. Um, Interesting. Wait, what was this called? Ghoster. Ghoster. Uh, it comes out later this month. It's October 22nd. Um, it's on Goodreads. People have put it as a horror or a thriller. Uh, it's definitely more m- mystery so far, but uh, okay. I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, that sounds really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is definitely done in present tense, and that always throws me off. Instead of, like, she said, it's, like, she says. And I'm, like, okay, hold on. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll let you know how it is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, So, for the podcast next, we are going to be doing uh, a memoir. And we are going to be reading Yes, Please by Amy Poehler. Because we still need (laughs) so much positivity in our life right now. Yes. (laughs) Yes, we do. Yes, um, we do. Which is one that you have read, but it has been on my mm-hmm. list forever. So thank you for reading it again with me. Oh, definitely. It's also been a while since I read it. So perfect. Yeah. Um. So I don't remember where I was going. This. Uh, where can people find you uh, outside of here? Just here. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. How about you? Uh, I have a blog, MegGriffin.com. Um, it'll be in the show notes. Uh, I also have a short story coming out in an anthology this month, um, which Yay. I hopefully can, <laughs> I know it's on pre-sale for the ebook, but I don't know if it is in physical copy, but I need to start posting it around everywhere. Um, yes, you do. Yes. But I can share it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is, the book is called Coffins and Dragons, and it is basically a collection of short stories featuring vampires and dragons. And if you missed my rant earlier in the episode uh it is definitely more urban fantasy than fantasy (laughs) uh as for this podcast you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram at jbc podcast um join us again in two weeks where we'll be reading yes please by amy poehler and until then please keep supporting your local libraries yay yay